And I just got to a point where um, I'm proud of the things that I've gone through and they've, they've really um, helped put me into the position that I am in now. I don't think I would have gone after the things that I wanted to go after in my life had I not gone through a really challenging time. But it started with me and I had to be introspective and um, figure out myself and what who I am again after being with someone for 16 years. So really, uh, I've spent a lot of time over the last number of years figuring that out and getting to a place where I feel like I'm able to give something small back to the community. It makes me feel um, good to be doing that and, and doing something that I hope is impacting lots of people in our city. Welcome to episode four of YXE Underground, an original podcast focusing on the people in Saskatoon who are making an impact in their communities but are flying under the radar. My name is Eric Anderson. How do you put a city on the map? Well, it helps to have someone who knows how to sell its best features and who hustles while doing it. Aviva Cohen is a name you might not know, but if you've been impressed with how many national and international stories have been done on Saskatoon in the past few years, then you know Aviva's work. We'll learn more about Aviva coming up. And Saskatoon is a city full of hardworking and creative entrepreneurs, but who do they turn to when times get tough or if they're just starting their business? Donalyn Thorsonson, that's who. Donalyn is doing some incredible behind the scenes work that is helping Saskatoon entrepreneurs reach their goals. We'll find out how and why she does this later in YXE Underground. Before we meet Aviva Cohen, I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who has subscribed, downloaded, uh, told a friend about this podcast. Uh, it, it launched on September 4th, and the response has just been fantastic. I, I didn't know if anyone out there would listen, and uh, the three episodes, there's been over a 1,000 downloads so far. So I just want to thank everyone for supporting this little podcast, and uh, I, I can't wait to see it grow uh, in the months and hopefully years to come. So a quick thank you to everyone who is who is supporting YXE Underground, and uh, just know that I really appreciate your support. So thank you. Okay, so let's meet Aviva. So if you're like me, you were pretty darn impressed that Saskatoon made the New York Times 52 places to see in 2018. We were the only Canadian city to make the list, and we even hosted a New York Times event at the Remy Modern. Aviva was at that event. She would not have missed that event. Aviva is the Director of Media for Tourism Saskatoon. She works to get writers and journalists to come visit our community and see what we have to offer. It's a challenging gig, especially when you're a single mom of three kids. We met for lunch at Shift Restaurant, which is in the Remy Modern, and covered a lot of ground, from why she loves her job to how long it took to get the New York Times to write about Saskatoon. That's a crazy story. But you really have to listen to Aviva's story at the end of this interview, because in my opinion, it shows how overcoming a series of challenges set Aviva up for success today. We sat in the back corner of the restaurant and I started by asking how she would describe her job with Tourism Saskatoon. There's a lot of elements to it, but I would say that the biggest part of it is that I'm trying to get recognition for the city, um, get some earned media coverage is what we call it. So generally I go out into market about four or five times a year and I meet with travel writers. So we'd sit across the table just like you and I are 
and it's called travel speed dating. So essentially I am trying in a 10, 12 minute pitch to sell you on, on why our destination is a good fit for your media outlet. Okay, so you, when you say market, so you go to a place like Toronto and sit across from a travel writer, pretend I'm in that travel writer, um, I'd love to be a travel writer, um, give me your pitch for Saskatoon. Um, oh, that's so challenging, Eric, because it really depends on what your outlet and interests are. But a lot of times um, in the past, I've, I've talked about that Saskatoon is a bit unexpected and we're a little under the radar and it's the city that people used to drive through or fly over. And so I think that we've had a lot of coverage lately, especially this year, um, just because of that fact that we're really surprising people. So there's headlines that have been coming out like surprising Saskatoon and one of the most underrated cities in Canada or North America and things like that. Um, I really want to switch, and you're the first person I'm telling this to, but I really want to switch my pitch and my angle going forward for 2019 and really talk about connections and community because that's a hard thing to sell, but I think that's something that we do better than almost any community in Canada. What, what made you want to do that switch? Um, I think it started with one of the travel writers that we hosted a few months ago and she really honed in on the characters that we have in our destination. And then I also recently hosted um, a group of five women and it was an urban adventure themed visit. So we'll see what coverage we get out of that. It was a wonderful visit. Um, and a lot of the media that were here were saying we loved how people were so unscripted and so authentic and they talked about the people so much more almost than the places they went, which I thought, you know, we've really got to play on that and, and we know that. Um, but the more I hear from outsiders, I, I had a travel writer that I hosted maybe three summers ago and someone held the door open for him and he just stopped in his tracks and didn't walk through the door and he's looking around like... Who's, who are they holding the door open for when he realized it was, you know, it was this awkward moment. And he said to me, I'm not used to people just holding the door open for me. And he's from Toronto. He's traveled the entire world. And I think, I, I think sometimes we take that for granted. I really see it a lot because I get that feedback from people who are visiting. But I think that a lot of what are, um, what makes this place so special is the people. That's, wow, that's, that's really interesting because... I, I, I could see yourself like making a pitch in terms of all the all the great you know um, things like we're we're in we're in the Reme right now and it's and it's stunning it's beautiful and then I think um, you you and your team have done a great job of, of selling the food scene here in Saskatoon because there's so many amazing restaurants in this city so then but it's so then maybe next year selling the the people behind those places then that's right yeah exactly and for example at the Remy Modern where we're sitting right now there's a particular tour guide that we've had a few of the times and I've started requesting him for when he's available because he, his passion comes across and he's an artist in town and he works here doing tours and he'll do lino cut um, activities with us in the art center but there's something about his personality that just is very Saskatoon and just that passion for the arts and the scene here comes across so really focusing on those people while showing off some of the attractions and things like that and same with the food scene you know that some of the chefs and the collaborations amongst craft brewers or distilleries like Black Fox Distillery and how they even when Nine Mile was opening they came in and helped put the flooring down so they could open on time and just the collaboration between people those are stories that I don't think 
are, are told and they make this place. It, that's so interesting about the collaborations because um, uh, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs and I, I'm amazed at how collaborative they are because oftentimes they're, they're, they're going after the same customer but yet they work together. And that's pretty neat. And it's not like that in every place, is it? No, I think that I think that we sometimes forget about um, what our community is. And I guess it goes back to our farming roots, too. You, you need to rely on your neighbors, and you can't just be working in isolation to survive. You know, it's a survival thing, even in the winters and things like that. But I think that what we do really well, and we're seeing it a lot, especially with that millennial generation of young entrepreneurs coming up, where they're collaborating, they're not seeing each other as as competition, like you said. It's really about working together and elevating each other up. And I think that's why we have so many wonderful restaurants, craft brewers, distilleries, museums, attractions. I think that a lot of that has to do with people working together and, and um, idea sharing and supporting one another. It, it just reminded me of how um, years ago when, remember when uh, Newfoundland would, would do their big tourism things and then at the end it would say, call Becky or call so-and-so. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a person on the other line and you're going to be selling the people here in Saskatoon. That's really, how, how did you come up with that? Um, you know what? I, I had had that idea a little bit before, but to be honest, I had lunch last week with Sean Moen, who's one of the owners of Nine Mile. And I, I really try to get out in the community and connect with people myself um, and share ideas but he's been a really great person for bouncing ideas off of and we talked about that article that had been in adventure.com um, that was uh, kind of went all over the place and a lot of people had something to say about it um, locally so that that was really interesting but that writer Kristen Kent really focused on the people here and um, I know that travel writers are looking for characters that's something I've known for a long time but to use that as the focus and shift away from being sort of an undiscovered gem or, or a destination people are less familiar with I think that we're now on the map I mean with the New York Times coverage which was something that I'm like one of my most proud moments um, in my career and I worked on that for three years sort of behind the scenes planting the seed for that so that put us on the map I, we're not undiscovered anymore you know we're not an under the radar place we're really making our, a name for ourselves as a destination that people want to come visit and um, so I think we need to shift our focus and just think that'll be something that speaks to our strengths and our community so We'll see how I frame that when I'm actually in these speed dating um, situations at the end of the month. Um, it's the, my first practice doing that. So I'll be meeting with international media in Calgary. And uh, so we'll see how they, what the uptake is on that. I'm very excited for you. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you several questions about the New York Times piece. But before I do, um, just in general, when, when you make your pitch to a journalist, a travel writer, and then they're like, yep, I want to come to Saskatoon. Um, how 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 involved are you when, once they once they get here? Um, because I, I can remember working as a journalist, and sometimes I would go on location, and the communications person would be almost hovering over me, and that bothered me. And when I work at where I work at Sherbrooke now, or our food is here. Oh, look at look at my pot pie. This is impressive. Aviva, you got uh, haddock, did you? Uh, I have walleye. Oh, walleye, sorry. Saskatchewan walleye and uh, some homemade mustard somewhere in there, too. Wow. Yeah. This both looks impressive. Um, yes, so I, 
I'll ask you one quick question, and then we can eat, yeah. and then we'll pick it up. Um, how how involved are you? Because as a communications leader now at Sherbrooke, I I try and take a lot of pride in terms of setting them up, but then like, okay, I'm not going to hover at all. You just go, how do you, what do you do? Uh, for the most part, and this isn't always the case, but for the most part, we do host travel writers in town. So I'll get as involved or not involved as they indicate. So I sort of, um, there's a series of questions I ask them to get to know what they're looking for. But when I'm hosting a group, for example, I'm typically with them most of the time. I'll give them some free time to explore. But, um, and then I step back and again, let the characters or the people of the place um, talk about what they're passionate about and what they know better but I'm sort of the one who's taking them in between giving them a bit of a background so I I kind of say that I need to know a little about a lot in the city so that I can sort of set the stage but then let everybody who who are showing off their attraction or, or restaurant or whatever um, really sell it and, and show off what they want to show off yeah should we eat let's eat <laughs> Okay, we're back after lunch. How was lunch? It was so good. I couldn't even finish it. It was so big. <laughs> it was delicious. I'm quite full after my chicken pot pie. It was great. Um, I, I wanted, you, you touched on it earlier with the New York Times piece, but I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this because I think a lot of people would see this and like, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome, Saskatoon's in this, but I would have no idea the work that goes into getting a New York Times reporter here in Saskatoon. So um, would you care to tell the story, please? Sure, I can. Um, I'll try to condense it because it's it's kind of a story that spans three years. And when I first started, uh, my very first media marketplace was in New York City. And I went and I happened to have a meeting with someone who freelances, but one of her outlets is the New York Times. So I was at that time talking about the Remy Modern, which is very apropos since we're sitting here right now. And uh, she was just really, really interested in thinking, wow, something like that's opening in a place I've never even heard of. So we kept in touch. I told her about our culinary scene, about um, some of our culture and history and different things like that. And she got in touch with me towards the end of the year and said we had been shortlisted for the New York Times. Could I tell her some more? Unfortunately, this was in 2015. And so we were shortlisted for 2016, but the Remy Modern had at that point been announced it was being delayed and not opening the following year. So I had to unfortunately tell her that, which meant we were removed from the list because that was very much connected to including Saskatoon. So very disappointing, obviously. And I kept um, in touch with her the whole next year. And finally, um, towards the end of the year, she said to me, Viva, I just can't include it because of something going on. I can't tell you what. Well, all of Canada for 2017 was on the New York Times. Best places to go is number one. And so they didn't want to include Saskatoon as a separate number. So again, we were taken off the list and deferred. And we kept in touch. And I saw her again in New York that, that year, um, last year, and pitched her again. And she said, oh, maybe, because... The New York Times is very different than a lot of the other outlets we work with. You can't um, host, pay and, and actually host them. You can't, uh, when they come here, they don't necessarily tell you they're here. So we can pitch them, we can send them ideas, um, but they aren't going to tell us, yes, you're on the list, yes, we're coming to town. Um, I had the writer who wrote the little blurb about Saskatoon reach out to me last fall 
and asked me some questions and say he was with the New York Times, but I didn't know that it was necessarily connected to this. But it turns out that the paragraph he put in is almost verbatim what I sent him. He added a little bit more about some of the artists that are here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know we were actually on the list until everybody else did and, and we saw it. So um, it was very exciting. I have hosted somebody who does write for the New York Times here, but many other outlets. Um, because again, we can't be obvious and host somebody. Um, so I worked a little bit behind the scenes with um, with their version of the Saskatchewan Wanderer, Jada, who was here. Um, but they only reached out to me at the very last minute, and Jada and I were in touch a little bit. But I had to keep it at arm's length. So it's a little bit different than what I'm used to. But it was nice. We still had some influence on that. There's so many threads to 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 pull from that, but um, so when when Jada, um, who who was has this amazing gig of 52 places in in the world, uh, when when she came here, um, and and you were able to get in touch with her, where did your mind go in terms of you've got to do this or you've got to do that? Uh, I already knew she was speaking at the Remy Modern and doing something with them for a full day, so I really wanted to show off Wanaskewin. Uh, was one of the things and so I was able to connect her with Ashlyn George a former Saskatchewan wanderer and give her an experience that really was the basis in the end of of her article so um, I knew she had wanted to be doing a TP overnight and I thought oh that's kind of strange to do it all by yourself so this was a, a, a chance for her to connect with somebody who has actually not done the TP sleepover either and was really interested in doing it but has a similar job within our province so they had this really beautiful bonding connection and so just kind of helping connect those people um, and then letting them the story unfold from there was uh, one of the biggest parts of her visit I knew that she Jada had told me she was interested in women and um, arts and Aboriginal culture so that really tied all of those things together and I think you know the results were in the story I think she had a great time when when a, a, a writer from the New York Times comes here if I were in your shoes I would be I'd be excited but I'd be nervous because I'd, I'd want I would want to control what it, and I, you were telling me before the interview started you like to make lists and so was it hard to let go during that it was extremely hard and the weather wasn't that great yet it was that time of the snow melting before things have greened up and so of course I have no control over what it looks like on a river valley but here I am like willing the trees to bud and bloom <laughs> like uh, yeah you have to learn to let go quite a bit in this in this position and also because at the end even when I'm hosting somebody fully I don't know what their story is going to be I, I don't get to edit it I don't sometimes they'll reach out for fact checking quite often not so I don't always know when where what they're going to say so I just have to give them the stories and you know I what I love about my job is I get to be a storyteller that's what I love to do and so I can tell the stories or I can put the stories kind of at their fingertips but it's up to them what resonates and what they want to share about our destination. So uh, kind of feeding off that a little bit the, the one thing I wanted to ask you too and, and maybe you I, I guess you wouldn't have control over this but when when journalists maybe ask ask you about um, maybe away from the culinary scene, away from the arts, and maybe they want to talk about some of the challenges in the community. Maybe they've seen a news report saying about the, the, the crime rate increasing or, or stuff like that. How, how do you go about 
doing that while still you still want to promote the city but no city's perfect how do you balance that I think it's actually travel media is a lot different from just a general journalist so they don't usually look to some of those negative angles and in fact quite often it has been my experience that if they have an experience that isn't really unique or really local or or not as good they just don't include it so um I think mostly we've had pretty good experiences with travel writers where it's a lot more of a positive spin and they'll include some lines that perhaps I might wish weren't in there, but it's it's um, pretty minimal and so they don't usually ask for that from us, you know, to see those, those sides. So it's a little bit different than traditional journalism. That's interesting. Um, you, you should tell, because I'm very curious where this passion for for Saskatoon for storytelling comes from? Because you, you are from Saskatoon, and then you went away, and then you came back. Like, where, where, does, all this, where does all this come from? Um, the passion for storytelling? Um, I think, honestly, all of my jobs, I have a degree from the U of C in Calgary in communications, and all of my jobs have been in marketing, media, communications, um, and I've done freelance, <coughs> excuse me, freelance writing. And I think, um, for me, I just think I'm a natural storyteller. I'm actually writing a book on the side um, that is going to be sort of a fictional memoir that's in the works. That's been a passion and dream of mine, but I've always loved storytelling. And so I think um, finding this position, which I didn't know was a position that existed, combining it with my love of travel, um, just it felt like a fit. So I kind of, I didn't know this type of job existed. And being in it, it really combines all of my interests and passions and strengths. So, yeah, I just get really, really excited. I'm an extrovert, so I'm sure that is a shocker as you're talking to me. But uh, I get really filled up in my energy from being around other people. So being able to be around people, sometimes it's 12, 14-hour days when I'm hosting three days, four days in a row. So it's absolutely exhausting. But I get such energy from seeing people's reactions to our city and being able to surprise them with some of the stories of our of our city that just fills me up and so I don't know it's just I kind of happened upon it but I love it so much. You mentioned 12 and 14 hour days and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and we were talking during lunch about the, the work-life balance and self-care. Um, you you have your you have three kids and and life is busy um how do you how do you go about balancing uh work and and home life and and uh and is that hard at times it's very hard and i i was mentioning to you kind of off offline before i i really don't know how i do it and sometimes people will ask me i just do but i think for me and it's been um something that's taken me until my 40s to figure out is the importance of work-life balance. So for me, um, things like this year, I started taking one extra day off a month that I know my kids are in school, that's just for me. So I've got one coming up on Friday and uh, you know I'll do things to treat myself. I'm going for a massage and things like that. So having a bit of time to myself has been really important. Um, I do yin yoga on Sunday nights. That's been a life changer for me and I've been doing that about a year and a half where it starts my week off 
just really in a calm way because I'm naturally a planner. So I'm always thinking about what next or what I need to do. So this allows me to learn and practice being present and breathing deeply and not letting some of the pressures of, of my job um, get in the way. But yeah, just really uh, making sure I have time with my kids that I can, and I'm still working at it, learn how to turn work off because my department also manages our social media channels. So I do have to check in and make sure there's nothing that I need to respond to or deal with um, at most you know, times, like even off hours, I'm kind of checking in. So sometimes it's hard to shut it off, but um, I'm getting better at it. Yeah. I, I applaud you for at least being like aware of it, because I, I found the last couple of years working as a journalist, I've had such a hard time turning it off. And, and with social media, that can, be, that can be really hard. Any tricks to the trade? Um, oh, tricks for turning it off? I just think I have to be aware of it, honestly. Um, I, I'm still not that good at it. I check it all the time. I shouldn't. I know I should turn it off a little bit more, but um, I think, honestly, the balance of t doing the things that keep me in a calmer, better headspace, taking care of myself, has made me so that when I do check in, it doesn't impact me and pull me right back in. I can just turn it on, check, and turn it off in a different way than before, where I don't think I was doing enough things to just really keep myself kind of at a, in a calmer place. And I think it's making me a better parent. I think it's making me a better employee and coworker. Um, and that's been a, a process. I, I did the Leadership Saskatoon program a year ago. And some of the things that I learned there about um, leadership and how to be a better um, person in the community have really helped as well that I've been able to take forward into my life and into my job. Which ties in nicely with your pitch you're going to be doing with people in the community. It's yeah. really, that's, that's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, before, I, before I let you go, and, and if you don't want to tell the story, that's totally fine, but when we were talking just while eating, you told a story about when you were working as a wedding planner. You had a business here in Saskatoon, was it? Yes. Um, and, but you were also going through some personal stuff as well. And you told a story about your hand. Are you comfortable telling that story? Yeah, Because yeah? yeah. I, I, think, I think it says a lot about you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I had a wedding planning business with my cousin who uh, has an interior design background. So she was very much the decor end. I was very much the planner and um, communications and, and marketing person for our business for 11 years. So we did a couple of hundred weddings in that time while having little kids at home. So it was, it was very busy um, and that was my passion. I, I really put my all into it. It was um, a part-time business. And at that, at, at kind of probably close to the halfway point of having this business, I went through a separation and then divorce. And I felt really insecure. I felt really like I would be judged. Being a wedding planner, being a mom of three kids, uh, who at the time were younger, and um, so I'd hide my hand. Luckily it was winter time, so it was easy to do. Sometimes I'd keep my gloves on in the school and things like that, or I'd be at meetings and I would keep my hands under the table. And I just got to a point where um, I'm proud of the things that I've gone through and they've, they've really um, helped 
put me into the position that I am in now. I don't think I would have gone after the things that I wanted to go after in my life had I not gone through a really challenging time. But it started with me and I had to be introspective and um, figure out myself and what who I am again after being with someone for 16 years. So really, uh, I've spent a lot of time over the last number of years figuring that out and getting to a place where I feel like I'm able to give something small back to the community. It makes me feel um, good to be doing that and, and doing something that I hope is impacting lots of people in our city. Um, and yeah, I think that had I not gone through that insecurity and those hard times, I really feel like I would have a different path in my life. I'd be in a different place right now. So I'm grateful for it. But at the time, obviously, uh, lots of challenges, lots of challenges with and big changes. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess now that we're talking about it, I haven't talked about this in so long, Eric, but now that we're talking about it, I think um, like the fact that now I work with people and then the insecurities of, you know, thinking people are judging me and all of that and being able to move beyond that and see people for who they really are and what their strengths are and things like that. I think it's all connected. So, yeah, thank you for um, encouraging me to talk about it again because now I'm sort of thinking about how that has connected to what I'm about to do and which is really... Um, show people's stories and, and that and the thing is I want it to be raw I want it to be authentic I don't want it to be curated I want these people to show who they really are and um, I've been able to do that just by you know focusing on on what I needed to on myself so that I am can be vulnerable and share you know warts and all type of stories yeah so thank you <laughs> Th thank you so much for for sharing that and and uh I, I I really believe the the work you do is is so important and and you yeah you do a lot for this community so um, thanks for meeting me for lunch today yeah yeah thanks for having me. I'm yeah super excited about this very flattered thank you and and good luck with the pitch the pitch thank is going to go awesome thank you well hopefully you'll read some great stories about it uh, next year um, as the stories start to come out and we'll see to be continued yeah thanks Aviva thank you. What I love about doing these interviews is having the time to get to stories like what Aviva just shared. A big thank you to Aviva Cohen for meeting me for lunch, and I know her new Saskatoon sales pitch is going to be a hit. You are listening to YXE Underground. You can stream and download episodes online at yxeunderground.com. You can also subscribe online at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. YXE Underground is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My name is Eric Anderson. You know who I admire? Entrepreneurs. I in no way have the courage or work ethic or patience to start a business, but this city is full of people who are starting businesses every week, hoping to find success in a competitive market. But where do entrepreneurs in Saskatoon go when they need help? One place to start is Square One, where you should set up a meeting with Donna Lynn Thorstensen. Donna Lynn is the Director of Programs and Operations for the Saskatoon Regional Economic Development Authority, or SRIDA. 
She is also the director of Square One, which is the Entrepreneur Center for Saskatchewan. And the story of how she became the director of Square One is really, really interesting. I met Donna Lynn at the old Square One office on 3rd Avenue this past summer. And oh boy, did I ever learn a lot from her. So I started by asking her for a bit of history on the organization. Well, Square One uh, has been around for four years in its current form. We were previously Business InfoSource, a program that was run by Government of Canada and Government of Saskatchewan employees. Um, And four years ago, they decided to make it a not-for-profit, where it's not the government giving advice to business owners, but it is people that are skilled in education in business to be able to do that. How did you you end up with, with, with Square One? Well, it's actually a very good story. I was living in Humboldt. I was the executive director of the Chamber of Commerce there and was not really looking for new opportunities, but thought, you know, I'm kind of at the point with my career that I'm looking for a new challenge. And I saw the job posting and I thought, what the heck, I'm going to apply for this. So I got an interview and lo and behold, they offered me the job. So I packed up my kids and in January and (laughs) we had two weeks to move to Saskatoon and find a place to live and put them in school. And I, you know, walked into Sarita on my first day and kind of like, what am I doing here? And you got to start this new organization. It used to be government. We need to make it really cool. You got a couple of months, get it going. Okay. So there, that's a lot to, like, you're, you're saying this with a smile, but that would be like that. There's so many challenges there. So how, how, how did you go about creating this, this organization? Cause I, I've, I've come across you and your organization several times and, and I think the work that you do is really great. Um, but how, how did you start it then from scratch? Well, it, it's, it was a challenge. It was that challenge I was looking for. So when you only have a couple of months to do something and you have moved into a new place and, and have young kids and get them all and going in, in life and school and, and activities, uh, those two months, honestly, were a blur for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, we took the challenge on. We had a team at Sarita that jumped in and helped. We hired some staff very quickly who also jumped in and helped. And, you know, it's the passionate people that we had around us that were able to create the organization that we have now. Were there some things that you, like some objectives that you really wanted to instill right away into this program that would help entrepreneurs, not only in, in Saskatchewan, but really in Saskatoon as well? Absolutely. Access to information for entrepreneurs was so important. Um, you know, the, one of the first things I did was search out all the supports that were available for entrepreneurs, and I found that there were a lot, but there was a lot of fragmented things, and it was hard to know what programs were still existing um, and who, where to start. So that's where the name Square One came from. It was where do entrepreneurs go to start or grow their business in Saskatchewan? They start at Square One. Okay, so if if uh, an entrepreneur walks into your office, what what are they what are they looking for if if they're at that square one point? We have we see all kinds of people. So some that maybe have an invention and they they say, how do I even take this to market or research it? You have people that just have that idea and they're just looking to, for someone to talk that idea through with. Others are ready to roll with their business um, and maybe looking for financing. So they need market research for their business plans. Uh, others are ready to register their business and we can help them through that process. And then there's the ones that are wanting to grow. So they may have been in business for a while and they're saying, I need to expand my market and I wanna make sure that I'm going in the right direction. Can you provide me with that information to help me? Are, are there some uh, 
some stories or examples from when maybe in your first year where you um, you had people walk in and you thought, oh, I don't know if this is going to work, and then they've they've turned out to be really good success stories. We definitely have a few of those. I don't know if we ever think, I don't know if it's, this is going to work out because I think when people come here looking for help, they're really passionate and they're excited about their idea and that's the best place to start. And those entrepreneurs that maybe find out that their information or the, what they wanted to start wasn't going to work in the way they thought, then they pivot and they find something else and do it differently. And Is that scary for, for an entrepreneur? Well, I can only imagine that it is, but why not, right? That's what we're here for. If you, Someone who comes to see us and doesn't go and start the business they initially thought they were going to do is just as much as a success story as that those that do because we've stopped somebody by providing them with the right information from making a mistake or going down that path. We don't tell them it's wrong, but we give them the right tools to make that decision on their own. So I'm sure it is scary for some, but when they make, when they know that they have the background and, and feel confident about putting this in a business plan and that it's going to work, that's got to just feel awesome for them. So, yeah. I, I, I cut you off from if you have any success stories or are, are, are there a few examples from maybe that first year that you can think of? Well, there's several, and, and we you know we get about 140 to 150 inquiries a week that we're working with. A week? A week. So we're dealing with people all over the province. Again, some are starting a business and some aren't. So, uh, or you know, don't start it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're out there for sure. It's hard for me to pick one or two to talk about, um, but it's really exciting when we go road coffee as an example. Um, you know, we worked with Townfolio when they first started um, their business. Um, there is, you know, we're hearing people all the time that are just saying to us how excited they are to start their business and we see their success out there. So 150 a week. How, <laughs> that's, how do you keep track of everything? Uh, we have a good CRM. <laughs> We've had to do that. We're, we're government funded, so we have to re report statistics back. Um, but that CRM is awesome because it tells us how many people are walking in, how many on the phone, how many by email. And we've kind of got these little profiles on everybody that we can help with our services that we provide. But honestly, um, it gets it gets really busy and hectic sometimes. And I'm thankful for a really dedicated, passionate staff here in Saskatoon and Regina that, that just are here and they plow through those requests and get the entrepreneurs what they need. I would imagine that trust is really important in, in your job because the, the, these entrepreneurs are, are, are looking for your help and, and trusting you. Uh, how do you earn their trust? Well, you know, it's it's face-to-face -face conversations. The, anytime we can meet in person with somebody, that's important. Um, while we have a CRM that collects data, nobody sees it but us, and we just use the demographics off it, really. Um, you know, the government never sees who it is and what their idea it is, is but they might know that we saw 10 female and in the retail industry last week so you know trust is is just earned by relationships right being able to meet with people have that conversation and provide them with the information that they need you you mentioned row coffee and and that's that's a, a good example because uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you was uh, I, I see so many of of my friends starting up their own businesses and they do very well and I see them at you know lots of pop-ups and and different events like that um, and I just think like every person kind of has a story but it, it seems like there there is a real entrepreneurial spirit in this city and I'm wondering if, if you have any insights in terms of what makes Saskatoon maybe a really good environment for that. 
I think a big part of it is that there are people here willing to share their stories and give advice and be mentors. So I always tell people, if you're starting a business, you're probably not the first that started that business. So find somebody who's done it and done it well, reach out to them and ask them for a coffee or, you know, even a phone call, connect with them on LinkedIn, however you need to, to kind of stalk them and, 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 and knock on their door and, and get a meeting with them. But I bet they'll sit down with you and they will share their story with you. And when people are doing that and sharing so often, that entrepreneurial spirit just thrives in our community. Is that something that's that, that maybe you don't see in other cities where it might be, I don't know if cutthroat is the right word, but there's a bit, maybe a bit more competition? I, I don't know if it's competition, but I, I think a city of Saskatoon and now Regina, I feel, is, is really becoming an entrepreneurial city as well. Um, there's enough people here that competition doesn't affect as much as it would in a smaller community. So in smaller communities, it's really hard if you're the only coffee shop or you're the only plumbing company. How do you go get advice from someone who's your competition. But you know what? If your community is the size of Humboldt, call somebody in North Battleford that's got the same business with you. They're not your competition, but they're doing the same thing as you in a similar size community. So that's how you get around that competition thing. How, how did you get interested in all this kind of stuff? <laughs> it, my background is in agriculture. So that's, I grew up on a farm. I went to university for agriculture, worked in that industry for 10 years. Um, I had a family and just decided that Working in agriculture and 60-hour work weeks and odd hours wasn't going to work for me. Um, it was by chance that I saw the Chamber of Commerce job posting, applied, for some reason got the job, <laughs> and I just realized then that business owners and entrepreneurs could be my customers just like farmers were, but in a different way. And I just absolutely love working with small business and um you know, seeing people succeed and help them down that path to success. Um, I'm just where I need to be. And so I've been doing this in this industry for almost 10 years and absolutely love it. Um, what, what are some of the similarities between an entrepreneur and a farmer? And then maybe what are some of the differences? One of the similarities is the hours that they'll work and the time that they'll put into running their business. They've, they're both biz, both different types of business. Farmers are entrepreneurs. You make your own hours, you're investing your own money and, and taking a lot of risks. Um, the differences, you know, I don't know if there is a lot really, um, except customers or uh, farmers um, don't have to deal with the face-to-face -face customers so much. They're finding, you know, people are looking to buy their grain more than, or their livestock more than they're having to reach out. So a little bit different there. I would say that a farmer is working more in solidarity than than an entrepreneur might be. Uh, we're not like you're you're about to move in to a new location with, with Square One. Um, where, where, where would you like the, the program to maybe go in the next couple of years in, in terms of, of expanding? Because you seem like 150 inquiries away. That, that number blows me away, but uh, how do you see this program growing? So we, both in Saskatoon and Regina, our offices are moving into new locations this summer. So that's exciting and easy to market when you're both moving at the same time. Um, where we need to grow is being able to spend more time with each of the entrepreneurs individually and being able to do some follow-up work with them. So when we're seeing the number of inquirers we are now, it's kind of all we can do um, to keep sane and, and keep up with the requests um, is handle those initial requests and give them information and unless they ask for more you know, we're not working further with those entrepreneurs. So we would love to be able to handhold them a little bit more and tell more of their success stories further down the path. So that's that's where I see us going. Wouldn't it be great if you started a podcast? 
talking about those success stories? Yeah, guess what? We're going to do that. <laughs> so I've got a few in the queue already. We're planning on starting um, our podcast series, which will be called Startup Sask this fall. And we're going to be interviewing entrepreneurs and having them tell their stories. And this will be entrepreneurs from all over our province. Uh, they can give us tips and tricks of the trade and what you know how they've become successful and challenges that they've faced along the way. How excited are you for this? I'm really excited. I need to just keep rolling with it because I've been talking about it for a couple of years and uh, been procrastinating or you know busy with a day job at Square One. So I'm super excited to get this launched this fall. Well, I can't wait to hear your podcast, and thank you for being a part of this podcast. So uh, it, it was a real pleasure to speak with you, and uh, I, I think the work that you do is really awesome. So thank you. Thanks so much. And again, to find us, you can we're on Facebook and Instagram. It's Square One Sask or SquareOneSask.com or .ca. Pardon me. Thanks. Donna Lynn is doing so much to help people in Saskatoon who are starting or looking to grow a business. I also want to mention too, and you heard it in the interview, that she has a podcast. And it's really, really good. You can find it online at squareonesask.ca. And I wish Donna Lynn nothing but the best. This has been episode four of YXE Underground. Thank you so, so much for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce the show. And if you know of someone doing something great here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. And it's been awesome hearing so many responses in terms of of emails and uh, messages on Instagram in terms of recommendations. Uh, Thank you so much. Please keep them coming. You can send an email to ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. And there's a button on the website that will allow you to nominate someone as well. So thank you so much for that. You can also find YXE Underground on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. A big thank you to Janelle Wallace, who does all the podcast photography. Also, a thank you to my cousin, Andrew Dixon, who is an amazing musician, and he made all the music, all the original music for this podcast. I want to thank David Hutton and the good folks at CBC Saskatchewan for letting me use their studios here in Saskatoon to record my voice. And a big thank you to my wife, Jennifer, and to my dog, Fred, for their patience and uh, just putting up with me all the time. Next episode, I'm very excited about this. Next episode, you are going to hear an interview with Kenton Lysak. Kenton is uh, a senior interpreter with the Miwasan Valley Authority. He is so passionate about the Miwasan Valley and all things nature in Saskatoon and and I would say Saskatchewan, probably the world too. And uh, he has a really, really compelling backstory as well. So I can't wait for you to hear that episode that's going to be released on October the 26th. And before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode four of YXE Underground. You can find more episodes online at yxeunderground.com. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app, including Stitcher. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk soon, Saskatoon. Saskatoon.